All right. Yep. Sweet. Podcast number three. Number three. Here we go. Hello, so, listeners. <laughs> that's right. Hello, everyone. Um, so right off the bat, I know we were trying to have a recurring segment about uh, Formula E. Yes. They are not. There's some news about... Uh, let me pull it up. They're not going to a racetrack that they were originally supposed to go to basically because there are upgrades and whatnot looking to be made to the track and they're running out of money and time. The owners of the track are? I believe that is the case, yeah. Okay. Um, is this supposed to be the next race? This is the July race, no. So oh. be, and it was scheduled for June 8th this year. Okay. And there's a construction project going on that um, it's $52 million renovation project. So it's not even like critical work. So that's interesting. So Formula E, okay, actually, here we go. They're renovating everything in order to attract Formula One and in the process of doing so are shitting all over Formula E. Wow. <laughs> that's upsetting. Yeah. I guess pecking is... order is what it is. Yeah. Dude, and Formula One has that. Like, uh, trying to be polite, just the superiority about it. You know, yep. everybody kind of like uh, fancy horse racing with big hats and all that. Sure, sure. <laughs> like the mod, I mean, it's cool and everything, and it's kind of become something not so cool, but it's more than just the cars and right. the technology. The I Monaco, mean, the Monaco, did you see how so upset cool. everybody got when they changed the logo? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Like that alone. Yeah. Like, come on, it, who, who cares? Yeah, I thought but it was fine. It was, people it was really fine. care. Yeah, and the Monaco race is cool. That track's nutty, and it really does take mm. a lot to go fast. And it's you cool know, that people can pull their boats up right to the track. <laughs> that that's pretty like, badass. That's pretty cool. Um, The whole logo thing is interesting because I believe I read that they were totally anticipating and okay with the amount of upset people the logo change caused. Just be, you know, any controversy is good controversy, I guess. Is that the saying? Yeah, it is. Publicity, and any publicity is good publicity, I think is that's what right. it's actually. Yeah. And in my experience, just like with my job, which is not even at all, of course, like F1, but anytime change is introduced... It does not matter. Somebody's going to be pissed off. Oh, sure. People can't. But it gets people talking. And it in does. The, and in the world of motorsport, if you're in a downturn, which I'm not sure if Formula One is, I don't follow it at all. Yeah. Um, that could be a good thing. I'm looking at it right now, and in my opinion, it's an improvement over the previous one. <laughs> I didn't even really compare them, to be honest. Yeah. they're. Um... Can you describe them for our listeners? Yeah, so the old one is an F on the left, shaded in black, and then on the right-hand side, with some white space in between, is like red, sort of, uh, almost like the checkering ah. along the edges, and and so the negative sorry, space, yeah, the negative space in the middle between the yes. the black and the red creates mm -hmm. a one. So it says right. F one, and then you mm -hmm. sort of got like, uh, oh, what are the curbing on a racetrack? That's what that is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then the new one. Yeah, that's right. The new one is the F looks like a racetrack. It's it's mm -hmm. like a curve in a racetrack, and then the one is just sort of a matte 
not that's not even the right term. Um, what would you say that is? It's just sort of a one. This very, very simplistic it's one. It's much simpler. Yeah. In design, it's, it's just a line, and the whole thing, yeah. right? The whole thing is much more simplistic. And it's just got a thin white line that runs in between the F and the one. Actually, that's pretty Honestly, neat how they made it the F look. Yeah, but that's I was just good. about to say, if you didn't know what you were looking at, doesn't really say F1 to you. That's a good point. The old one definitely communicates what it is a little right. more Because clearly. it says Formula One under it, just in case you couldn't figure out the look. <laughs> well, and a snooty person might say, well, you should know what Formula One is. Well, we don't like those people, so no need to talk about them. <laughs> so, poor Formula E. Um, and also, they had their first race, and the second race, I do not believe, has occurred. No, January 13th. No, well, the second or, race was the right. day after. Right, yeah, right. The third race. Yeah, so we didn't watch that one. Asterisk. But um, we'll watch the third one, January 13th. Yeah, we didn't discuss the round two one at length. Um, right. But I believe, if I remember correctly, the guy who won the first one uh, also won because he was dominating the whole weekend. I thought he'd. No. Um, see, I I thought it was the opposite. I didn't think he did well the first, second race. Well, let's let's go into this a little bit. Let's look. Yeah, yeah, I'm pulling up the results right now. Sorry, race everyone. Two. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, driver 19 from Mahindra. Oh, that's right. Rossendvist. Excuse my pronunciation. From Sweden, I think. Right, that's what that is. Um, is that Finland. Man, I'm not a well, very cultured man. I don't know. It's not Finland. I'm pretty sure that's the Swedish flag. Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, Bird came in fifth. He won the first time. He came in fifth this time. So not bad by any means. But no, he and that's, he that's didn't... a good thing too because you don't yeah. want you don't want somebody to run away with. I right. suppose it's only the second race, but. So and just for comparison's sake, um, the guy who finished first in. Huh. He was 14th in the first race and first in the second race. wonder what happened. Hmm. Must have been some shenanigans. <laughs> I mean, it was a tight track. It is, yeah, then their, so, their whole thing is to do the, the all road track style thing. Right. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to two DNFs. I need to fix their website. It's not loading up real well for me. Well, good thing they let you know they use cookies. What's the point in that? Who, Who does anybody it? see that a website uses cookies and goes, mm, no. <laughs> no. Dude, actually, I had a college professor who taught, of all things, uh, computer security. Mm. And uh, if I had to guess, he's the type of guy, at the very least, all his cookie files are in some sort of, like, contained, encrypted, like, I didn't even know some kind of folder on his desktop, like where he's like got some kind of external controls going on. Cause he's the type of guy who would look at that and be like, eh, do you really need my cookies? I'm out. So, well, what's the deal with the cookies? Who's giving them? Who's eating them? What are they for? <laughs> the cookies are uh, files that are basically uh, preferences stored on your computer. So every time you visit a website, rather mm -hmm. than host certain preferences, like, Oh, any number of things, but also, unfortunately, like information as well, like login information or mm -hmm. 
emails or whatever. So rather than store all that information on the websites servers, you know, wherever yeah. they may be, um, yeah. that information is kept locally on your machine in the form of a cookie. So whenever you go Got to it. a website, the br- part of the browser's functionality is to say, I'm going to this website, which has this particular key, that key matches up with this cookie file. Mm. Here, and then, it, it, you know, in, in layman's terms, I suppose, hands it over to the website. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a, I mean, it's an elegant fair. way. I mean, yeah. it seems fair. Like it if is. I'm going to use the website and there's preferences I'm able to set, I should be the holder of them. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty universally accepted thing. Mm. He, he's just, he was just a particular, you know, when Edward Snowden released his shit, my college professor would have been like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> Which I mean, everybody did too, but um, you know, he would have been running scared. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So um, do you want to start us off with, I know you had a couple topics in mind, so. Yeah. Well, the, the first one um, I had two uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was, I was just watching this thing on Vice. I don't know, um, Vice is a uh, sort of YouTube, I guess. Well, they're a news organization, uh, but one of their primary outputs is outlets is YouTube. And okay. they make all kinds of videos, and they have this crazy uh, guy, Shane, who's actually been on Joe Rogan's podcast a few times. Hmm. Um, and he's this pretty cool guy. He uh, just does in- intense stories. So they went to um, Serbia I'm sorry, oh. not Serbia. That's ridiculous. Um, oh my goodness, I'm completely blanking on the place up north. My goodness, the Russian Siberia. Goodness. Yes. <laughs> so they went to Siberia in the summertime. I think pretty eastern Siberia. Okay. And basically investigated and tried to find and did find um, these logging camps that are run by North Korea, and to the point where North Korean flags are flown on these camps and it's North Korean people working in the camps. And really? yeah, in Russia, in Russia. Yep. Hmm. And you can, uh, you can go watch this. It's a, uh, it's on YouTube. It's not hard to find. Yeah. It's a six or seven part series. Um, they have a couple interesting encounters. They definitely find the camp. They talk to some North Koreans. They actually learn that the guys in the logging camps have a better life at least as far as the the guy you know the the cases that they meet at the yeah. at the camp but they find out that the guys doing the logging have a better life than their families at home yeah it's not surprising i mean it's not it's um, terrible but it's not yeah the the people who seem to have the good lives in north korea itself are the ones who are hired actors for like the rich areas for the show at least while that they're is, there yeah, yeah for the show that is north korea like the indoor skiing, or not indoor skiing, but the, the ski resort, the people who are hired to make that look real, they're probably having a good time. A better time, at least. Yeah, yeah, let's put it that way. <laughs> sure. So, so, I brought that up just So, North general. Korea is yeah. land-connected to Russia, right? Yes. They don't have to go through China? There is actually... Oh, actually, good question. Um uh, I'll confirm there. It might actually be. It might actually be um, all China. No. Yeah. 
It's I actually... think there might be some. Oh, I'm sorry. There. You're correct. There is the smallest of borders on yeah. the coast. You're right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, the tiniest part of Russia just butts up against. In fact, there's a spot where China, North Korea, and Russia all have a point to together. A point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. Okay. When? What's the date on this series? When did this? Uh, a couple years ago, maybe at the most. So I'd say within like the past three years. Yeah. Now um, I could tell the you. Russians got to know they're there, right? Uh, yeah, I would think. If these guys found them. So here's what my question: like, if if I'm just able to see this on YouTube, like, what the fuck? Like, I guess it's I guess people don't care. I, I mean, it it's they're doing logging. At one point, they stated the logs were headed for England. I, I, I can't confirm or deny <laughs> that. Wildly uh, inefficient. <laughs> seems that way. Um, There's probably trees on the western side of Siberia that you could... You said this was on the eastern side? I believe, yeah, North Korea? yeah, that was my understanding. Yes. Yeah. Videos were posted in 2011. Hmm. December. Dude, how about the fact that Siberia is just fucking gargantuan? Yeah, Granted, right. Whenever you look at a map, it's not to scale at all. It's not even close. But still, there's so much of Russia that's just like, what's happening? Just, yeah. It's Nothing, a black I hole guess. of, yeah, it's a black hole of like. It's just nature up there. It's yep. badass. Thank God we still Russians. have something like that. Can't go there, though. No. So, well, so that's the thing is like an American does and they like. It's it's really interesting. This guy has a history of going like he's been to North Korea. This guy Shane, who's sort of mm-hmm. like one of the top guys at Vice, he's been to North Korea a number of times doing stories like this. Um, you know, they they routinely have tense encounters. You know, being told to put the cameras away. Mm-hmm. At one point, there's guns involved. Um, not to the point of like anybody seriously getting shot or anything like that. But you know, the one guy brings a gun along. Yeah, the other guys are equipped with clubs and shit. You know. So, but he manages to go to Russia. Uh, I mean, what are the, take, are takes, there any, um, are there any, you know, restrictions on an American going to? I have no idea. Russia at all? Like, Here, here's how he did it. Well, yeah, I would think, I would think that. <sighs> I mean, yeah. Rick went to Russia, our brother. Yeah, but that was for the Olympics, right? Yeah, but still he went. Yeah, but I feel like you're 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 there reason, on a special case, right? Right. Whereas mm-hmm. Shane, this guy, these vice people are just like, yeah, we're gonna go try to film your secret logging camps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's um, so. What's one of the more interesting things is just how long it took them. The only way to get there is by train. Um, mm. and it took like. 30 some odd hours of train travel to go from, I don't know where they flew. Oh. I forgot where they flew into, but yeah, 30 some odd hours of train travel. Damn. Yeah. They went deep. Seriously. And I guess, I guess, I mean, they have to have, you know, they must have travel visas. So yeah, I would say an American can go to Russia for some kind of vacation, which I imagine is at least partially how they sold what they were doing. But yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering like, am I free to roam when I get to Russia or is it, somewhat of a North Korean type situation where you just won't get to certain areas. 
I, I have to imagine it would be not so much like unless you were like trying to access actually restricted areas. Mm -hmm. I just imagine the there's other just sort of more civilian motivations not to go past things like Moscow. Like, I suppose, yeah, you could probably just go to Moscow and rent a car and like start driving north. But unless you're Russian and can speak Russian and like have any sort of yeah idea like, of what the fuck you go. <laughs> Exactly. Like you're just gonna die. That's right. <laughs> if you do that, you're dead. So, you so can. maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's that's kind probably of not gonna about. take too long to like run into the wrong set of Russian. I mean, think about how hardcore the people probably are when you get, I mean, in Russia at all, and then when you start getting, you know, up there, like when you zoom in to the level. Uh, so when you're looking at Google Maps and you zoom in, oh, I'm in, doing it right now. So when you zoom in to the first the first zoom level that gives you Moscow, mm -hmm. you go you go one deeper than that. So you can see Moscow, then you click again. Where is Moscow? Help me. Uh, uh, western, <laughs> just next to uh, Latvia, Estonia. Not just next to. It's on the uh, western edge. Okay. So when you zoom in, you can see Moscow. You click one deeper. A bunch of cities oh. pop up, right, in addition to Moscow. There are no cities at that level other than one up way up but basically once you zoom to that level and you can see a certain number of cities right probably mm -hmm. probably based on population there are just areas of russia where there's no cities right like major areas yeah that's true there's just nothing hmm those are the places that intrigue me most Right? Those are the places where if you don't know what you're doing, you're dead. It's like... This is why I was obsessed with Skyrim. <laughs> I gotta explore. I gotta see what's there. Right? It's... Um, if you go take Granted, a look... that's from the go safety ahead. of your computer chair. Yeah, it's true. You don't actually have to deal with real Russian people. Yeah. Which, from what the internet tells us, would be an intense experience. Mm hmm And almost all of it filmed via dash cam. <laughs> For insurance reasons. Right. Especially if you're American. Wow. Yeah, I wonder what... Well, that's true. The map is deceiving. But I was just thinking, what if you laid a United States on Russia? But I'm sure that's been done before. Yeah. Um, so... Just hopping on that map topic real quick. If you um, look at, you know, the U.S. versus Canada on a map, Canada looks giant. Mm -hmm. But if you, so most maps are, since the Earth is a globe and you're looking at a flat map most of the time, there's going to be compromises, whether size or shape, right? basically. So most of the maps that you see, they compromise shape or no size rather to kind of keep a representative shape in relation of things to each other mm -hmm. so just the the most common projection to go from globe to 2d map distorts the size of things so greenland looks like it's the size of fucking three united states but it's not <laughs> either in canada if you look at the land area let's check land area of Canada. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm looking at Greenland. Even on Google Maps, 
It is, it is massive looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a little absurd. So, the Hudson very... Bay is almost as big as America. <laughs> <laughs> so, are least... you looking at the United States versus Canada? Yes. I, on Google. Would Maps. you would you say that, given the fact that Canada goes all the way up to forever, it looks like it's a lot bigger. Yes. So the land area of Canada is 3.855 million square miles. 3.855, okay. Mm -hmm. The U.S., 3.797. Almost equal. Yes. So how much, if let's say you had to... So the, the, sorry, the equator is squashed. That's what it looks like. Uh, yeah, I think things get pinched as you go towards the equator, and they stretch out as you move away from it. Right. Um, so if you look at Google Maps, how much percentage-wise, or, you know... Yeah, like how much would would fit in? Well, how much do you think, how much larger do you think Russia is than the United States? (sighs) Land area. Oh, okay, okay. Tell Um, me, like two times more, three times, or, you know, whatever. hmm. However you want to tell me. I'm going to say five, five times bigger. (laughs) 6.602 million square miles. So it's not even double. Double. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, it's still roughly double the size of the U.S., but it's not as big as you think it is. What? I was looking Morning. at Canada because it's on the same longitude, kind of, mm-hmm. as Russia. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. trying to, like, look at U.S., look at Canada, look at Russia. How did I come up with... Maybe five was a little much, but I still was going to say at least three and a half. Yeah. Damn. I mean, so look at how Greenland just gets ripped up. Like, yep. it just gets extruded upwards. So that's happening to the top of Russia. Because China and the U.S. are remarkably close in land area. Okay. Uh, three point seven oh five for um, oh, yeah, they do look China and three point seven nine seven for the U.S. China is almost like America. Oh yeah, pretty close in shape overall too. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so I I always thought that was interesting. So if you go and look at a map that's uses a different projection, and I can't remember the names, um, you can see very different looking, you know continent shapes and whatever. So I brought up North Korea originally, just mm-hmm. uh, it's a common or a popular topic right now, of course, but I just feel like it it's worth the discussion because it's so absurd. The whole situation is so absurd. I think one of the most poignant uh, aspects of the whole thing is just how many guns are pointed at Seoul. South Korea. Yeah. Um, that's scary. That must they, be a pretty scary place to be right now. I've actually seen uh, YouTube again, so grain of salt, all that. Internet, can't believe everything you see. Kind of comes along with anything you take mm-hmm. uh, from the internet. Um, but, uh, you know, they've interviewed, I've seen interviews of South Koreans, and they basically for them, since it is a constant threat, you either go insane thinking about it every moment. Or yep. you completely forget about it. Yeah. Makes sense. But one of the... So sort of the estimations, um, obviously gun counts and all that are, are interesting. But w- when it comes down to it, 
the moment that they decide to fire their guns and start firing their guns, you know, for whatever the reason may be, roughly 90 minutes is how long a lot of people think um, they would be able to continue to fire their guns before we were able, able to respond with aircraft or whatever. Obviously, we would start destroying really? guns. Yeah, we would start destroying guns, obviously, sooner than 90 minutes. But... Mm-hmm. Um, to destroy them all from, from our perspective is, is impossible really without, you know, sort of carpet bombing the area. Yeah. Which isn't a great idea because, you know, they do have air defenses and all that. So anyway, 90 minutes is roughly how long a lot of people think it was what it would take even, even if it takes us longer, but Seoul would just be flattened. And so basically Mm. there's no, the reason this, what are they realistically? It'll say they just continually, continuously fire for ninety minutes. That's how mil- quickly are they going to rip through their, um, you know, their missiles and and whatever arsenals they have? Like, is that going to pretty much use up everything they have if they just let loose? <laughs> or I th- I think it would I for the sort of the guns that are pointed at Seoul, but those guns that's all they're good for. They're not going to be, you know, once <laughs> once that trigger gets pulled and once, you know, those cannons start going off, you know, the whole thing's on. And that's that ultimately brings you to sort of one of the questions about the North Korean regime and, and all the rhetoric that's been going on lately. Especially over the summer, we kind of got our answer as to whether or not they have a death wish. Because once you start flattening Seoul, yeah. you know, America's I mean, it's coming. it's over for them. It's over. It's over. Well, we can't be the only ones coming, right? Well, no, but it, it will be the ones for sure to, to, yeah. to go in there. Um, so Seoul is going to be completely lost. Like, I mean, they're, it's, it's uh, the I was looking at estimations. It's in the millions of rounds over that 90 minutes. Millions of rounds? Yeah. So the artillery yeah. guns that are pointed, yeah. they, they would yeah. get off millions of rounds. What kind of guns are you talking Total. about? We're talking about... Um, Sort of uh, what you might imagine is traditional artillery, ten millimeter, twenty millimeter, thirty millimeter guns, yeah. you know, which are things that you find on battleships and, and stuff. And they're just going to be lobbing. Yep. Yep. Shells straight into the center of Seoul. Interesting. And the thing is, is there's so many guns that it's impossible. It's that's that's what part of that's what makes this situation or one of the aspects is makes this situation so tense is that there's literally nothing to stop hundreds of thousands of people from getting shelled murdered. Yeah. So the question is, do they have a death wish over the summer? Certainly seemed like they did because man, (laughs) I mean, what's, if you break it down, just like thinking about, people i guess yep what's his motivation just to make a lasting i mean i guess it's the same reason anybody causes harm or terrorist acts to anybody else is to make their name you know known i guess but it it is the question what what benefit i mean maybe they just feel like it's now or never because i mean north korea has been a regime for how long now? 60 years or something? Something like that. 1952 or so. Yeah. Or this well, is only I their suppose second. Just a, yeah. 
This is their third guy. Third guy, yeah. Yeah. He's the third owner. Yeah, right. <laughs> With the second owner not being around as long as the first one by a good margin. Oh, really? Yeah, the first guy was around for maybe 30 years. Okay. I'm, I'm, guess, I'm guessing here. I, I don't know the facts. I don't have it in front of me. But yeah. maybe 30 or so years, and then his son was uh, Kim Jong-il. Right. Kim Jong-sung, Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un, I believe I right. have that correct. I think so. Um, so Kim Jong-il was only around for maybe uh, 20, uh, I guess only 20 years. So maybe, yeah. I guess that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've had Un here for how long now? Uh, six or so. Yeah. Sounds right. Five or six. Man. So yeah, the whole thing. So, but your your question about their motivations, I I find is the question to ask because like, first off, why like start a country, like Kim Jong Sung, like when he started this country with this plan in place, which is like basically the game plan that they've had for the past sixty years. Like, what is their end game altogether? Yeah. Because they, 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 they took such an aggressive stance. I just, it's fascinating. Have they always hated the United States? Yes, that is that is the core of their existence. Now, why? Because we fought with them in the Korean War to, so World War II ends, uh, the Cold War starts, well, not right yet, but basically the World War II ends, we look at Russia, they look at us, we both got nukes, and, mm. you know, we start getting hateful with each other. And what, what's called a proxy war begins, although less so in this case because we were the, actually the ones on the ground fighting the Koreans, but the proxy was Russia with the Koreans and, and basically communism, you know, the red the red menace. That mm. was a real thing. We, we went to war with Korea because we wanted... I mean, the strategic advantages of the Korean Peninsula can't be denied. That's a major thing. It's right mm-hmm. next to Japan. Um, right. right next, you know, it's right there. Um, so, yeah, Russia wanted the Korean Peninsula. We didn't want them to have the Korean Peninsula. We supported the South. They supported the North. We put, actually, mm-hmm. our troops on the ground. Uh, well, but before that, there was no North and South. Correct. It was, right. It's just Korea. And then the ceasefire sort of created what we know today as the as the difference between the two, with mm-hmm. the middle being the DMZ, the demilitarized right. zone, which has like yep. more landmines per foot than anywhere else. You know, anywhere else. <laughs> so bizarre. It's it's insane. It's really. And then so yeah, so this guy like took over Kim Jong Sung and just like just made, forcefully, I'm sure, just took this made this country. And made it in a particular way where people believed that he could read their minds and he was God and all these things. Uh, seemingly just to get back to the motivation at this point, seemingly just for the ego of it all. It's kind of amazing to me that everybody is so brainwashed already. Like it's only been 60 years, it's <laughs> what, one generation? And everybody's like, fuck it, this is it now. Like, what about the people who knew life before the dic- that dictatorship, you know? I have no There's idea. There's got to be stories of what... Hey, do you know. remember when that guy couldn't read our minds? Yeah. Like, what was that all about? 
I don't the know. He told me to stop thinking about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the information's obviously foggy, and and we don't know as much because we're civilians and all that. But you know, uh, apparently, especially lately, there are areas that never bought into it or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The whole thing is. So there's like pockets of resistance within North Korea. I don't think to the sense of like like movie style resistance, like no gunfights or anything like that, but yeah. thought thought resistance, if you will, mm. 1984 style or not. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, 1984 and uh, what was that movie Equilibrium? Mm. <laughs> and so then the last thing we can say on it is what is the ultimate solution to the problem? Yeah, well, so my question, hypothetical, and it won't happen, I'm sure, but the consequences of someone else making the first move and just erasing them. I know oh, that's not as simple as it sounds. There's economical, economic repercussions. There's all sorts of, you know, fallout from that. Yeah. But, like, just to save... <laughs> the opposite from happening which would probably be worse so i as i understand it what's keeping everybody back is and i i I guess i have no actual basis for this or anything really but Mm -hmm. if you go in and you you take out whatever if if you do a targeted attack and you only get a couple of the right you take out just the leaders or if you do some sort of bombing attack either way all of a sudden you're left with this country's worth of people that not only are they starving and dying and all that, but they have, mm-hmm. you know, there is going to be a significant number of them who have bought into the, been forced, not even bought, forced into, you know, believing. And yeah. So you have this huge humanitarian crisis on your hands. So like, I'm just picking one, but let's say France goes first and they're just like, fuck it. We're doing it. Drop the, <laughs> drop Jenkins. the bombs. <laughs> Lee, that's right. <laughs> Basically, the world is going to be like, all they right, They didn't even France. tell anybody else. Right. So the world's going to be like, all right, France, cool, but like, what do we do now? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I but... The other thing, too, is they have the nukes, apparently. So, I don't know. How so bad this can... this kind of makes me, like, I see a parallel between this and uh, climate change. So climate change is like this worldwide issue that we're just kind of ignoring for the most, you know, on the large because it's inconvenient. Right. And this almost feels like the, a very similar thing. Um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's almost inconvenient because it's going to happen, right? It has to. Their motivations are clear. Well, yep. sort of, I guess. They are, they are at continuing least evil. to make news. Yeah, they are, <laughs> they're right, continuing. They're... So it's just like everybody's... A, I don't want to say ignoring it, but they are putting it off until it can't go back. Which so, appears to be a human trait. <laughs> it definitely is. Totally. Procrastination is inherent in everybody, whether you like to believe it or not. It is the case. And that's all this is. It's on a <laughs> much more dangerous scale as people procrastinating. Right. And like... The main argument against procrastination is if you had just done it in the 80s when they didn't have nukes. And the other thing, too, is it's we're not talking about just North Korea here, because if you do, if you do, even if you go in and you handle the humanitarian crisis and you Mm -hmm. you successfully do everything, no nukes get launched or whatever, for whatever reason, 
that is going to piss off Russia and China. It's like it's like they have this weird vested stake in it too. Like, yeah, I don't understand that. They're the only two, right? That are really pretty much. Not that those insignificant. No, but yeah, countries or powers, but it's a pride thing. It's a it's a stupid human thing. It's this nationalistic pride. That is is part of the equation. It's obviously not the only reason, but I, w- I would put forth that nationalistic pride on the Russian side. They've staked their claim, right? China and Russia have said, we support the North. So ultimately, if you bomb the North, guess what? Yeah. It's, like, it's like bombing Russia. I don't know. It's, it is perplexing because to me, you're doing more disservice. Yes, a lot of people are going to die and all that. And I guess I, I probably definitely don't have all the facts but the longer you wait the worse this gets definitely i don't see how it, how it could be any other way right right nothing gets better with age except for like <sighs> wine, wine and cheese right wine and cheese <laughs> well yeah. cheese is probably like a bell curve yeah there you go yeah so north korea was super hot in the 80s it was a good spot to be in but now we're on the other <laughs> si- we're on the other side of the of the apex and do you think uh russia and china's support for north korea is just part of at least russia's yeah just the (laughs) desire to piss off the western world that i i yes yeah i do i mean that's they just love that i guess (laughs) they do (laughs) daniel tosh is an amazing i think it's daniel tosh yeah it is he pantomimes the u.s as a whole saying we're number one we're number one and he's like you know if we just said like we're top 10 <laughs> you know other countries would be like that's fair it was that number one shit <laughs> so yeah yeah because we for like from like 19 we we won world war ii and we were just like fuck yeah mvps over here seriously fuck everybody we're the best get out so that's actually a good segue into what I wanted to ask your right. opinion on. Do you feel that we are no longer number one, or at least heading towards that, and China's on the way up? They're the new superpower? I would say things are definitely evening out. I would say yeah. after World War Two, we were... I mean, we won, so just economically socially all those things right we we beat mm-hmm. everybody else not we just us of course but um yeah and we had all that diversity right we got a lot of resources we got a lot of good shit over here it's pretty cool and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i would say we're number it's one not bad um yeah it's not bad so to that effect i would say things are certainly evening out now as to whether or not china is going to be on top I would say no purely because um, the amount of competition is also growing. So whether they like it or not, they are going to be competing with Russia. Mm-hmm. India is kind of there too. They're putting out a lot of shitty code, but you know they're there. <laughs> um, Japan, uh, they're shackled by their sort of physical land size. But I was going to say their size is their... Right. The only thing really holding them back, dude. When you if you're looking at the map of Japan, the you can just see the congestion just in the the fact that their entire island is covered in roads. 
Yeah. The the whole they've, thing has been they've developed. extracted yeah. what they can from it. Yep. Do they, they are they one hundred percent import based? I would say not a hundred percent because that's unsustainable. Well, sure, but but I would. Yeah, I wonder I would what imagine. their numbers are. Yeah, I mean a lot of the, they got a lot of farmland and stuff, but they got a ton of people too. So yeah, I mean think about it. They they have an entire class of vehicle, the key car. They're tiny little vehicles because they just need the space. Wait, I don't even. What do you mean, key car? Yeah, um, K E I I believe is how it's spelled. These are little. They're limited to like. 600 cc's or something and they're probably half the size of a normal car i think it's kei i believe you're correct yeah i'm looking at one right now yeah. they're very boxy and very mm. efficient there's all looking. sorts of well yeah, there's all very... sorts of um you know things that fit within the category like oh uh, yeah there's a little pickup truck huh <laughs> yeah um <laughs> that's awesome yeah so this whole I mean, look at the, type in AutoZam AZ1. Z-A-U-T-O-Z-A-M. For the listeners, it, they're literally, if you just took, like, all, take, I'm looking at a Ferrari that's just been, like, everything's been, it's stubby. Everything's short and stubby. Yep. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it. Look. These are miniature vehicles, but the people that sit in them aren't any smaller. Nope. So <laughs> things shrink around the driver, basically, is what ends up happening. But the cockpit is still the same size. That's a great way to, to visualize it. The, right. Where you sit, it's small, but it's still relatively the mm -hmm. same size. But everything else, the front end and the back, are, like, shoved in. Yeah. So you anyway, get... Um, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Honda and Suzuki and... I mean, all these companies that make cars for this market that are fall within that category. So I'm looking at the AZ1. It's got gullwing doors. Yeah, dude. So it's got a spoiler. Just because, just because they're limited to small cars doesn't mean they don't want something cool and sporty. So hence yeah. AutoZam AZ1. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. So yeah, China and Russia, Japan. Let's see. Germany is like, they're trying to control Europe with uh, the European Union. Um, a lot of a lot of the European Union works out of Brussels, and just the physical location of the government does have a, an impact. Hmm. So Germany's trying to do Europe. England just shot itself in the foot, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get too political on this podcast, but um, why do you say they shot themselves in the foot? Ah, uh, the Brexit thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, I guess the most important what I would say is on that is. Uh, the European Union, which they're leaving, has said they're not going to get the same trade deals. So just just on that fact alone, I, I guess I would put forth that it's not a smart decision. Right. Because just like Japan, you know, they're going to have to import a ton of shit. And if you're getting, if you all have to suddenly have to pay for more, you know, you have to pay a higher price, then that sucks. So what was their motivation for leaving anyway? I don't really know oh, the I'm story. No, yeah, I'm no expert either. Um, I mean, there was a big, like a lot of things with humans, right? There's a ton of factors. Um, definitely the immigration thing was big on, you know, for a lot of people, yeah, which right. we, under, we understand over here. Um, there's the, 
there's a unique aspect to it all, which is like when you're all on the same currency like that, we we actually have this too, but we don't see it this way. When everybody was on the same currency, um, certain certain people gained from being on that currency, like Greece or Spain or Italy, and mm-hmm. other people lost out. Basically, the weaker ones, when they joined, they got brought up, and the stronger sure. ones got brought down. Makes sense. And over here in the U.S., the same thing exists between the states, but we all see each other as still Americans, so we don't hate or even really care that one state isn't producing more right. more output than another one. Mm-hmm. Whereas over in Europe, it was like, oh, those fucking Germans, they're not putting, or, you know, those Spaniards, whatever, they're not putting yeah. in their work. They're just, mm-hmm. they're, they're coming along for the ride. So I'd imagine that's part of it. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. Nationalism, uh, I mean, I, I guess I don't know. It remains to be seen whether or not it'll work out, but... There's also yeah, Nigel Farage, who was like the Trump of, like he harped on immigration, keeping people out. You know, he was always photographed with a beer in his hand. Um, <laughs> he made passionate, entertaining speeches and had some good points every now and then. But you know, he was quite a polarizing figure, I guess. Right. Hmm. And I, I mean, I recall the the newspapers and whatnot saying most people woke up and were surprised by the result, much like Trump getting elected. So, so, I don't know this how that, that I be, have I pulled up right now says that it was a fifty-eight, excuse me, fifty-one point nine percent to forty-eight point one. So, so I mean, damn, quite close. Yeah, I don't know what referendum turnout of seventy-one point eight percent means. Referendum is the term for the vote. That's how they refer to it. So they they held a referendum on the issue, which means they held a vote on the issue. Um. So that means 71.8% of citizens voted? That's what I'm understanding, which, comparatively speaking to the U.S., I mean, boy, did they just put us to shame. Seriously. Good God. We're like what? Not even 50? I was going to say 16 or 20% at best, actually. Is it really that low? I think it is. Let me check. U.S. voter turnout. 2016. All right, so the last election course the first article from cnn 20 year low 58 percent in for this past election okay all right not that the trump election all right which is still more i mean look at what the 2012 election was i thought she was quite low no oh 62 oh we went down in 2008 to 57 in 2012 it's been going down that's interesting As far as like world powers and all that, ultimately, I don't think we'll see this in our lifetime as much as I would love to. And it's, I guess it might be cliche or whatever, but, you know, we really do have to eliminate the borders. Like, humanity will never be stable like we live in the safest time and we live in the most stable time ever you know if you go back 2000 years barbarians could come and kill you at any time as i as i sit in my apartment right now i'm not worried about somebody coming and killing me like i'm just not i'm not Mm -hmm. nor do i have to like farm for my food or anything so it's the dopest time to be alive for sure but yeah 
That's true. Like, if you look 200 years in the future, humans get bored. Humans are complex psychological beings that do weird shit. Like, I just don't see the current configuration of the planet persisting for another 200, 300 years without fucking World War III. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. to me, ultimately, you have to, unless, I mean, unless, I mean, I'm I'm pessimistic by nature, but I just, with everybody hating everybody, unless that can get fixed, I guess is what I'm saying, unless the hate can be fixed and and differences can be, then that's that's a big ask because if you look at like Israel, Palestine, Mm -hmm. nobody, that situation is so ridiculous because both of them have claim to this area and their claims go far back enough that nobody really knows. <laughs> That's but basically the but problem. But they're holding to it. But they're holding to it and killing each other over it. So as yeah. soon as as soon as one of them kills another one, a Palestinian kills a Jew and then a Jew kills a Palestinian, those two families hate each other forever. Yeah. And so as much as nobody wants to hear it, collectively humanity has to get over itself and and get rid of the pride and the nationalism and stop killing each other like i, I don't know it's yes yeah. very altruistic and well no i mean ideally i think it's a good it would be a good thing but you know people are too i think meant to be in smaller groups i think yeah if yeah. you look back Yep. Um, I would say that's true. We're pack creatures like anything else, right? So, I mean, you see um, conflict between different groups of, you know, within the same animal species to a lesser extreme. You don't see, you know, different packs of wolves nuking each other, but if they could, maybe they would. Um, So, can all of one species, you know, interact peacefully? together as one i don't think that's ever happened no i would agree i mean native american tribes in america or what is now america killed each other absolutely that that says yeah so no i agree it has never been done but i think it has to i mean this is asking a ton but i think it has to be done it would be quite a shift (laughs) because there's things work but because there's that whole, um, I don't know what you would categorize it as, but there's that uh, there's a theory about, I forget what it's called, but basically it's considerations about where humans exist in, in the galaxy and sort of mm-hmm. if we're the first that has a set of implications, there's these types of uh, cultural barriers that, you know, a civilization will never get past a certain level unless they complete these certain things. Mm-hmm. And so... In order, this theory would say that in order to progress, you have to somehow escape nuclear annihilation, which I think is one of the end games in this theory. I'm going to see if I can find it. Like there's certain hurdles that you have to make it past. Yeah, I'm doing it major injustice right now, and I can't even think of the name of, uh, I'm going to say, like civilization gates. Mm. That's that's this is a real poor search, but. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing, where my mind kind of goes, let's say hypothetically, 
we become, you know, a global civilization. Planet Earth is what it is. It's, there's no countries. There's no separate continents. It's the people of planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Entertain that for a minute. Um, how long until, assuming technology, it keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. How long until it's planet Earth versus planet XYZ? And then all of a sudden you have the same... <laughs> The same problem. The same problem, just the scale just keeps increasing and increasing and increasing until something implodes, you know? I mean, Well, I I think you've just knocked on the door of chaos theory. I guess. It's entropy, man. Right, exactly. You nailed it. It's entropy. One of the proposed laws of the universe says that it all is going to end in fire. Yeah, I mean... That if we what... all band together and all of a sudden we can start communicating with different planets, somebody's going to be pissed that we're bigger <laughs> than them. So they're going to get mad and fight us and we fight he, them. And... He was standing where I wanted to stand. <laughs> exactly. Peace at large doesn't exist. I guess. My good, Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Entropy says that the universe ends in what they call a heat death, where everything, (laughs) the literal temperature of everything, which temperature, when it's specifically defined, is literally the movement of molecules. Mm. Literally, entropy says that the universe will shake itself apart. That's effectively what that means. Molecules will vibrate so quickly that they'll just, we don't really, I don't think we fully understand what will happen. Gotta enjoy it while it's uh, it's together, I guess. Ride that train. <laughs> Hop on, choo choo, motherfucker. I googled. Um, I think it's called the Kardashev scale, if I'm saying that right. All Basically, right. type one, type two, type three civilizations, and it's based mm-hmm. off of your ability to dominate your surroundings. So, a planetary civilization can store all the energy within its planetary boundaries. Then you move on to a stellar civilization, which is like our Milky Way. If we can harness everything in our Milky Way, or no, I'm sorry, just our solar system, excuse me. Um, Mm. So just our our sort of local area from a galactic perspective. And then, um, or our neighborhood, actually, not even our, like, cul-de-sac, or or, I don't know. Anyway, then galactic civilization, which would be the Milky Way. so yeah, it seems like we've got three levels there. We all hate each other on planet Earth. Then we mm-hmm. all, when we all make nice, then we all hate each other from solar system to sol- solar system to solar system. Yeah. You know, screw those guys over there. And then we get to galaxy level where we're like, you know, fuck that other galaxy. So, but the only, well, not the only problem with that. Um, yeah. But one of yeah, the problems, right? <laughs> there's definitely not just one. <laughs> not just That's one. That's crazy. <laughs> there's only one issue here with this ridiculous theory. Um, you're hold- By that theory, you're holding other civilizations and other worlds to the human mindset and uh, instincts and... Perception. You know, pers- yeah, just instincts that are within humans i guess i'm searching for words here but um you know just because that's the way we inherently operate doesn't mean right some other being 
has to live by those rules too. So they might have already figured out the peace thing and halted entropy. <laughs> that would be crazy. Teach us. Right? Um, um, this theory, yeah. though, has people like Carl Sagan associated with it, so hmm. not all that bad. Well, but I mean, in... your your point, I think your point is, is probably one of the more important ones in that humans are humans and we see things in a particular way, we understand things in a particular way, mm-hmm. and that is likely... If there is other life out there, I doubt they look and act and think and whatever like us. Definitely not exactly the same. You wouldn't think so. They can't be that way. Um, Yeah, there's a couple different theories out there on, you know, are we the first ones? Are we so fucked up that others just ignore us? Uh... (laughs) One of my favorite, Calvin and Hobb. it's just one panel. It's one of his larger panels. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I think the surest sign of intelligent life in the universe is the fact that none of it has tried to contact us. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah. They just point the telescope at us, see it, and that. zoom in and see this reality TV show host running this country into the ground, and they just, you know what? There's nothing there for us. <laughs> Just move on. They've got it all figured out. <laughs> They'll be just fine. Or, just, or, this is TV for them. Right. Yeah, South Park style. Somebody's watching. <laughs> Going, yeah, right? Isn't it, it's so crazy Season to entertain 12. that. <laughs> yeah, the, the first, the being first thing, that's an interesting one. It seems too egotistical to be true. And uh, statistically, just not possible. Right? The number of proposed planets that could support yeah. life is, yeah. well, is theoretically infinite. Sure. I suppose. I so believe you so. Think that there's other life out there. But another thing that really puts a damper on this sort of discussion and whatnot is. Once you go into fully understanding just how far away these other places are, it it is a it is an an amazing barrier to to, to communication between oh, galaxies yeah. or whatever. The yeah. distances here, I mean, the amount of empty space in between just us and the nearest star. Once you fully understand how far that, uh, of, of course, barring the sun, um, well, hell, even the sun, really, but. Yeah. Alpha Centauri, which is <laughs> Alpha Centauri, which is the closest non-sun star, is a couple abs- light years away. It's absurd how far away it is. Dude, so, I love to just think about the word light year. It's a it's a crazy concept. How far I just I just love that that is and even that like you still get things that are hundreds of light years away. It's like Maybe we should have done light decades. I don't know. Right, right. It's, it's crazy to think that light year is actually a little finite of a measurement. Or, or yeah. too small. It's the universe's millimeter. Pretty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we need to go bigger. Well, I don't know. I don't uh, have too much. Well, I well, suppose I could talk at an unbelievable lengths about that, but yeah. Well, that's that's the type of thing where it's a, 
I think, good to stop at a point and come back later. Yeah. <laughs> Something else sparks that conversation again. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Because you could, you could go on and on about all the different... Uh, like one thing I just saw, I, w- I won't talk about it, but something called a Dyson swarm around a star is what? a way to harness the star's energy. You could talk. That sounds so fucking cool. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Except for that, it's There's not cool games. until you get past the Dyson guy in your mind, like coming at you all swarmy and angry. <laughs> Once you get past that visual, me personally, then it starts sounding cool. Yep. A Dyson Swarm. Wait, you said Swarm or Storm? Dice, well, there's two. There's a Dyson Sphere and a Dyson <laughs> Swarm. So, like, <laughs> I imagine the one is, a, like, a swarm of satellites collecting energy and all that. And mm. then there's one that's, like, a Dyson Sphere, which encompasses physically a a star to harness its energy. Like, in Okay, sort of like... so was this named after the vacuum or the other way around? <sighs> that I don't know. Uh <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully it was just a guy, another guy named Dyson who came up with the idea. <laughs> I'm hoping that's what it is. You never know. Though. Do you think Elon Musk has the answer for North Korea? <sighs> I feel um, like he, he knows a lot of things. He does know a lot of things. <laughs> you know, there's a theory that he created Bitcoin. What? Yeah, there's there's a... I mean, nobody, it's a very mysterious subject. Nobody knows who this guy, uh, the moniker is Satoshi. That's the guy. So when Bitcoin was created and, and put out into the public, uh, a white, what they call a white paper was released with it, which is just like a fancy term for shit I wrote down. And um, so the guy's name on the paper was Satoshi something. And, but he was anonymous and all that. It was just a name. And, and so, yeah, nobody knows, nobody actually knows who created Bitcoin. And in fact, there's a wallet with 7% of all Bitcoins that will ever exist uh, that is supposedly under Satoshi's control. Uh, those Bitcoins really? have not moved since the day Bitcoin was created. And actually, a lot of people consider the fact that because there's 7%, so Bitcoins, there's a mathematically, there's a finite number of Bitcoins. That's one of its. That's one of the reasons that it is so unique is there's actually, uh, I think it's like 20, 2040 maybe or 2030, something like that, where all the Bitcoins will be mined. Um, so yeah, there's a finite number of them. So 7% of all Bitcoins that will exist are in this one particular wallet. The way Bitcoin works is you can you can see transactions that hit anybody's wallet. You don't know who owns the wallet necessarily, but you can see money moving in and out of any wallet that you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this one in particular, we know it's his wallet because it's wallet number one. Uh, okay. So they've never moved. And a lot of people consider the fact that if they did ever move, it would crash the Bitcoin market. Because anybody who controls 7% of some market, uh, that's that's a that's an unsustainable a number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, like, there's programs that watch that wallet on a daily basis and um, report on, well, right now, nothing, but waiting for the day that anything might happen. I don't understand how Bitcoin works. The easiest way to... But that being said, I've never tried to understand, so... The easiest way to say it is, um, imagine a 
publicly visible chain of information where each transaction points and is pointed to by another transaction. So transaction one points to transaction two with mm -hmm. a mathematically verifiable formula. Mm -hmm. Transaction two points to three, but is also technically pointing at one and so on and so forth. Transaction five points to six and, and four and so on and so forth. So if you can mathematically verify each link in the chain, you know that each link in the chain is valid and therefore everything. So literally, you can go look at the first ever Bitcoin transaction mathematically. Cur no. currently, the, currently, the size of what they call the blockchain, which is this linkage of information, yeah, yeah. Is, is roughly nine gigabytes of information. Hmm. Of straight code. Um, base, yeah, basically. I mean, it's I more like it a, be, right? it's more like a giant hash file, if that makes sense to anybody out there. I'm sure it makes sense to plenty of people out there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Does anybody know the words I'm talking about? Probably not. Just me. Just making shit up. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Why? It's, What's it's basically the a, advantage a, of this chain? Well, it, it, uh, nobody can hide, basically. So right now, you know, all these rich people with money in the Cayman Islands, mm. they, they are able to hide their money like that uh, because the dollar is is supposed to be this physical item and has no, you know, also another major thing, unlike Bitcoin, there's unlimited number of dollars too. The, mm. the government just makes them where Bitcoin is specifically engineered not to be that way mathematically. Um, but couldn't Satoshi just add more? No. He pleased? No. 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 But he's the holder of the code. Did he create it? No, no, yeah, it's public source. No, one the blockchain oh. was the blockchain was created with transaction number one, and mm. that is the string of information that exists. That is that string of information. It's kind of funky to think about, but that string of information is what is valuable. And so, if that that's string what's of backing the Bitcoin, basically, right? Exactly. Exactly. It, it is why, the gold. But as a consumer, as somebody who wants to use Bitcoin, why do I give a shit? Because ultimately, well, the goal is that you will be able to trade your Bitcoins the way you do a dollar for mm. goods. Yeah, someday. but why do I care what transaction four was if I'm about to complete transaction 952? Who cares? Well, why is you, that? You why does that make it valuable? You as a consumer don't necessarily care about that. What makes it valuable to the average consumer um, is the fact that somebody's willing to accept it for something else, like a guitar sure, or totally. something. But part of what makes that even a trusted system is mm -hmm. the fact that this blockchain is has been designed from the ground up to, to hopefully prevent yeah. fraud. Right. So it's it's the counter it's the Lincoln face, if you will. Mm -hmm. Again, simplifying it way down. There's many many other uses and reasons for the blockchain to be the way that it is, mm -hmm. but it is at in in many ways a security feature, or one right. of its primary functions is a security feature, I should say. But and this is obvious, doesn't even need to be said really, but still comes down to just something that people are putting you know, 
imaginary value into exactly basically. just like gold somehow ex- yeah totally just like gold it's just something that caught on and people decided that it's worth something exactly I am willing to accept your Bitcoins for my guitar because I know that when I take those Bitcoins down to the grocery store, he will accept them for groceries because he knows that when he takes that over to the guitar store, they will accept it for a guitar. Right. <laughs> I only, and I'm only using that because I'm staring at mine right now. But yeah, so yeah, it, it is ultimately just because that there's a trust from one person to the next that yeah, uh, right. it's valuable. Mm-hmm. Humans are fucking weird like that. We it do weird. weird. <laughs> it's so it's imaginary. You nailed it. It's totally all imaginary. imaginary. I mean, it's just a medium for bartering. We should go back to bartering. Like the only well, reason I want money is so I can have stuff. So I might as well just give you stuff for stuff. Right. And not to get too deep into economics, but the arguments for the current system can somewhat be boiled down to if you have if you're a skilled person, you still need things that are just practically speaking outside of your ability to learn. Like you need a house, you need food, you need uh, transportation in the modern world, at least all these things, which no one person can really manage all by themselves. So if you have this medium of exchange that allows you to get things that you can't otherwise get for yourself, uh, you know, you're going to use that. And that's what that's what currency and bartering is. And then the, the argument to go from just like bartering, which is like, I'll give you this chair I made for that guitar. Uh, not everybody wants a chair and not everybody right. wants... Right. right, not everyone has the perfect thing to trade. Right, right. Totally. Yeah, so it is a medium, but in a perfect way i mean that so that's total i would say i would say way. that's why we're not going to go back to barter yeah but no you're right that's a good point huh i've never thought of it that way it's fascinating i love this stuff yeah it's and mm. and what's the the best part for me is it all comes back to human psychology mm-hmm. and how oh, yeah. and how how weird we all are oh we're so weird <laughs> and how we're all just like going along for this ride yeah, on, on this ball of dirt. We've all agreed that <laughs> we're just gonna, just gonna do this, see what happens. I guess. <sighs> yeah, that in itself is weird. Like, I think um, I don't know. Not what a it single is. person on this that is living or breathing in this atmosphere right now asked for this. Nope. We are just dealing with the hand that has been dealt. Right. Everything anyone at this moment in time is doing is just a guess. I feel like this has roots in the name of the podcast. This this topic itself, I don't know what the manifestation is, but this topic in itself, I feel like is a breeding ground for a good name. Yeah. Something I agree. that something that relates to just how absurd it all is. I'm trying to write this down. I'm trying to open our file, but I'm rushing in. Where's Dropbox? I just gave away a secret. A production. You don't use Dropbox? No, a production secret. I said our file, which implies that we prepare something beforehand. Oh, never. <laughs> I don't like to prepare. All right, we're at... um. 
We're at an hour 11. Wait, hang on. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Before this ends. Sure. Something about salsa? <laughs> totally stupid. Um, it's okay. I want to know it. We need to on lighten Tuesday, this up. On Tuesday, I, I just bought some salsa and some chips, which I just don't keep on hand all that often, and I just remembered why. Chips and salsa as a snack is absurdly good and just an interesting thing altogether because it's so good you you always start out saying you're going to have a certain amount and that never holds i've never eaten the amount of salsa that i've told myself i will eat from the start that's never happened it's so first off why is it so good that's that's what i was well i want to know why you're why you're setting limits for yourself at the start Fair question, I suppose. You're, if you know you're not going to stick to it, you're just setting yourself <laughs> up for disappointment. So you might as well go into the salsa experience with an open mind. With That's right. That's fair. Yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll concede that. Um, okay. It's probably stupid to do that. Um, so then really what got me going, though, what made me think or ultimately write it down was the co- <laughs> the cost ratio versus... The amount of, like, why is salsa so expensive? So I bought a jar of salsa, and before I knew it, in the first sitting, I had eaten half of the salsa. <laughs> Are we talking like a normal, normal uh, Tostitos size yeah, jar? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not the tall party one, but yeah, the, the, yeah, the half the shorty size. Guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had eaten half of that in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And... I don't know. Just it's and what so... does that run like four dollars something? You got in that yeah. So I ate I ate two, I ate two dollars worth of salsa in like eight Second. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and you probably could have easily kept going. You just told oh, yourself that you had to stop. I looked over at the fact that the jar was half empty and said, yeah. "Okay, that is enough for right. now." <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to vamp a bit about salsa because like it's so good. It's crazy. Have and you ever I, made your own salsa? I have not. Yeah, me either. I bet you'd be way cheaper. And way better. Yeah, that's... yeah. So there's another... And then the other thing is, why is it so expensive? I guess... Because it's prepped for you. Oh, anything, okay. Anything that's, that's prepped for you is and packaged. You know? That's fair. Yeah, okay. Plus, tomatoes aren't the cheapest thing in the world, as far as vegetables go. Okay, that's true as well. So... Those things combined, probably mostly the first thing, but they should they should make it less good then, less delicious because God. What kind of chip did you use? I was using um, vehicle Mission brand uh, tortilla strips, so they're like rectangle shaped rather than rounds or anything. Mm, interesting and, choice. Yeah, the Mission uh, the Mission brand uh, I found. Uh, it's one of the more authentic and, and better tasting chip, I, I guess. Hmm. Not that I eat a ton of chips, but if I'm gonna, yeah, I go that I go that route. Sure. We have not been sponsored by Mission. <laughs> if 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 they would like to sponsor us, <laughs> <We're open. laughs> And um, on that note, if anyone would like to sponsor, <laughs> give us a call at five five five. No. But yeah, salsa. It's ridiculously good, and and I just I'm look. I'm gonna have to make my own. Actually, I'm gonna try that because if it's if it's just as good to make my own, then yeah, I'm sure. That's the thing too is I had I had not bought it in forever, so I just right. 
splurged a little bit, and it's and it's one of the less uh, egregious dietary indulgences. Yeah, you can do worse for yourself. Yeah, and chips and salsa, that's for sure. Yeah, especially well, I guess tortilla ones. If you went with corn chips, I guess that, depending on your feelings on corn. There's a good topic. Let's save that for next time. Corn. Good corn God. is its whole. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know you're the corn. Uh, not ex, not just, expert, but certainly. No, it's a... just a. I've got a lot of feelings about corn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Primarily um, for me, it's just snuck its way into fucking everything. Fucking anyway. Everything. That that in itself is a good topic. I am writing that. Things that you consume that you don't even fucking know. Corn. Ooh, yes. HFC. Uh, fake sweeteners. I'm giving. What was away. that stuff in tea? What was that? Yeah, yeah. We'll cut this part out. <laughs> 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 well, hang on. Do you wanna do you wanna end this and then we can uh, continue talking about this real quick? Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't know if. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. The last thing I guess was salsa, and we're we're good on that for sure. So, all right. Another one in the bag. Thanks yeah. for listening. Three down. That's a that's a milestone. Yeah, yeah. I Let's say. shoot for five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Just baby stepping it. Yeah, yeah. There's a good movie. Go watch uh, Doctor Leo Marvin. Yeah, go watch uh, What About Bob with Bill Murray. You won't you won't be sad. All right. That's a movie we I got... haven't seen in a while. Anyway. Yeah. Alrighty. Alrighty. Over and out. Over and out.